I see a lot of warm, familiar faces. And some new faces. So welcome all of you. So um, I hope what I talk about now makes sense to you. (laughs) I just want to say a few things about this is something that's been inspiring me lately. I've talked about it a little in small groups. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I called a woman who took care of us when we were little. Her name is Ruth. And... um, And, and Ruth is, has always been extremely um, religious. She's a minister. She's been a minister, I think, since she's been in her 20s. And um, so religion is everything for her. And her husband is a minister. <clears throat> she's 22 years, I'm uh, 92 years old now. And he's 99. And she, uh, she loves to hear him preach. I wish my wife would like to hear me preach. Um, Anyhow, uh, she she says he preaches to her every day, and she loves to take in his preaching. And um, so knowing she's so religious, I asked her, uh, Ruth, do you pray a lot? And I knew the answer. Oh, yes, David, I pray all the time. And I said, what do you pray? And she said, oh, I just say, I'm here, God. That's it. I'm here, God. And that just moved me so much, um, what that means. I know that means everything to her. She's got terrible pain, arthritis. But she's a very uh, joyous and loving person, happy, laughing I'm here, God. So for her, God is her refuge. God is out there. And and she wants God to see her, to know her. I'm here, God. Just, Just know me. See me. That's enough. And this knowing and this seeing, this being held in God's um, omniscience. It heals everything in her. So she's okay. And what moves me particularly, I I love all of that, but what particularly moves me is What does that mean for us Buddhists? We don't believe in a God out there. But we do believe in a Buddha in here. We believe in 
something in us that knows us, that sees us, that holds us. Buddha is our refuge. I take refuge in this. Well, I use the word awareness. That's just something that I, it could be mindfulness or presence or just natural abiding. And this awareness, um, it's so close. It's so near to us. It's so immediate, direct, simple. I mean, are you aware right now? You're aware. You're awake when you woke up this morning. And unless you get lost in dreams and thoughts and imaginings, you'll be aware, simply aware, not a big deal or a huge deal all day long until you go to sleep again at night. And you will know all day long. You will know Well, the Buddha named eight consciousnesses. You will know what you see. You'll know what you hear. You'll know what you taste when you're eating. You know bodily sensations, what you touch. You know the thoughts, the thoughts that know I'm seeing, I'm hearing, and just aimless blah, blah, blah. That's the sixth one. And the seventh one is the me, me, me consciousness. The uh, afflictions. You know the afflictions. You know when you're feeling low self-esteem. The pain of that. Or when you're feeling anger or fear, or doubt, or pride, I'm so great. When you're feeling all of these selfing, uh, self-referential things, and when we, so the healing part of this is, when we know that piece, the seventh consciousness, We can just hold it in the purity and open, accommodating awareness. Like like a sight, like a sound, like a sensation, like thinking. The only thing that we need to do is recognize the awareness recognize that not only is there the fear, but there's the awareness, there's the knowing, the clarity that's that's holding the fear with 
without bias, without prejudice. It doesn't, you know, for awareness, it's okay. Fear is okay. Sights are okay. It's it's uh, nonpartisan. It's equally equally accommodating, equally accepting, and. If this is our refuge, we're safe here. As Julian of Norwich said, all is well and all shall be well. And all manner of things, all manner of things shall be well. Sights, sounds, tastes, touch, thinking, afflictions, And just by the way, the eighth consciousness is called the storehouse consciousness. It's, it's the alaya vinyana that holds all of our karma and like seeds that are waiting to sprout when the conditions provoke them. But that kind of determines our attitude. So it holds that too. It holds drowsiness, drowsiness, no problem with drowsiness as long as... We're not lost in drowsiness. It's like, um, this is so familiar to us. It's so close, yet we miss it. Like it's the air we breathe. This awareness. It's like a fish swims in water, but it it doesn't know it's in water. Or a bird flies in the sky, but it doesn't know the atmosphere that it's in is sky. We live in this awareness. All we need to do is recognize it this safe place, this place of love. This is love that Julian of North, by the way, she was a, uh, you know, she was a uh, ascetic nun. She was a saint. She lived alone in a cell until the day she died. And this love was enough for her. This awareness was enough for her. She didn't need praise, reputation, success, material things. Just love was all she needed. Awareness is is what we call it, perhaps. And she said, um, about that, Hold on to this, what she said, first of all, for there is a force of love moving through the universe and you that holds us fast. This holds us fast and never lets us go. It's always there. Hold on to this and you will know and understand love more and more. You will not know or learn anything else. 
There's nothing else to know. Ever. So I hope that makes sense to you. It's what uh, what we can live with, what we can be, you know, all through our lives and take refuge in all through our lives. No matter what happens, no matter what we lose, we'll never lose this. Our best friend. So let's just try this for a few minutes in meditation. So if you could assume a straight but relaxed posture. Maybe a couple of deep breaths. And drop your thinking mind down into the body. Maybe down to the feet. the farthest place from the uh, thinking mind. Be aware of the feet. And relax the entire body and the calves, the thighs, your seat on your chair or in your cushion, And be aware of the small of your back and the lower back. And maybe let your back, the energy let you rise a little bit. And be aware of the breath, the in, rising and the falling. Of the belly or the diaphragm. Relaxing your shoulders. And the arms, upper arms, lower arms, hands. And notice the changing sensations in the hands. The palms of the hands. The fingers. Changing, changing all from microsecond to microsecond. This body is changing. There's no solid, stable, permanent self in this body. And relax and be aware of the neck and the throat.
and relax the fleshy parts in the face. and relax the brain. And then widen their perspective and be aware of the entire body, relaxing the entire body. aware of the entire body. And notice you're holding this body in awareness. Without trying to make any effort whatsoever. Just be. Just natural. Just be yourself. There's nothing you need to do. You don't need to get a better state of mind. You don't need to get rid of what you may have considered not a good state of mind, just let it be. You're safe here. You're free here. If we don't fight with what's happening or try to improve what's happening. We're safe, we're content. We're finally home. As T.S. Eliot wrote, at the end of all our exploring or striving, will be just to arrive at where we started. And to know it again for the first time.
You may hear some sounds. You may feel sensations of the body. You may see sights behind your eyelids, flickering shadows. There may be thoughts. There may be afflictions. Awareness accepts them all. In a way, awareness loves them all, embraces them all, welcomes them all. And they keep changing. The fear like a wave arises from the ocean of being. But it's still just water. So we're comfortable. We are water, and we're comfortable allowing it to rise to multis waves and dissolve whenever it's ready. The waves keep rising and falling and rising and falling. But what does not rise and fall is the steady, peaceful, warm embrace of this knowing mind. This benevolent, innate awareness, which is who we are. All is well, and all shall be well. And all manner of things shall be well. Okay.
Thank you. How was that? Is that okay? Any questions or comments before we go into discussion? Okay, well, we have, um, let's say, uh, let's say 20, how about 22 minutes or something? So uh, Joe has put the questions that were in the chat to discuss. But, you know, when you begin the, when you get into your group, you might just check with each other. What's, how are you and what's inspiring you these days? Might be kind of nice just to kind of get to know each other. And the, the first question is, what do you want? What is your deepest desire? What do you really want? Do you want to be a big success at our age? Do you want beauty, wealth, a new car? Do you want uh, everybody to think you're great? No. What do you want? What do you really want? So that's a good question, I think. And, and a kind of a an indicator about that is like, why do you meditate? Why do you come here? Why do you study the Buddhist teachings and try to put them, you know, into your life? Try to have them be a guide for you. What do you want from all that? So those are a couple of questions, and then there are some others. How were your little groups, your small groups? Did you have nice discussions? Did you, yeah, Any, anything that you would, please share, go ahead, yeah. Um, hi, this is Catherine again. Um, this is my first time at this group, and I had a wonderful time in our small group and really appreciated um, meeting Karen and Fran. Right. Uh, and... Uh, we, we, we talked about how we all wanted a good heart and, and to, be, uh, to, have, to have kindness in how we say and do things. And we also talked about Kalyana Mitta groups. And I, I was saying, and I guess we were saying that we all found too, too much guided meditation to be counterproductive to meditation because it's like, you know, getting directions, getting directions, and going into a trance, and then when you don't have it, there's nothing. And so I try to avoid avoid guided meditations, basically. Um, it, and that makes my my practice work better. And and so um, I'm I'm looking for a, for a, more of a circle of meditators. And just to start meetings with having silent meditation works better for me. Yeah. Good. Uh, yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Anyone else? 
Nikki, hi. Yes, please. Well, we stumbled into a, a profound spot in our little group this morning. And um, one of the persons started out by saying, well, I'm just not sure that I can bring very much to this group this morning, and then proceeded to walk us into this place of tender depths and um, made it possible for us to stay in that vulnerable place and examine loss a bit. And um, it was a, a surprise, a beautiful surprise. And I thank them, all three of them. Yeah. Wonderful, beautiful. Thank you. <clears throat> Someone else? How was it for you in your small group? Nikki, I'm going to borrow your phrase. I love that. Um place of tender depth because I feel like our group was exactly the same it's it's always amazing to me with a 20 minute clock and the way it ticks down in the corner of the screen that people immediately go to this place of sharing I guess because our topics are what is really important these are things in our lives and in our dharma practice and how it's woven together that is just astonishing to me every single time. And so like you, I thank everyone in, in my group where we just um, learn from each other. I feel inspired by each other, um, share these things of great value and the, the troubles that everyone faces as part of life. But again, how the Dharma interweaves with these uh, challenges in life. So thanks to everyone behind the scenes, who brings us together. Much appreciated. Thank you, Jeannie. Anyone else? Okay, well, thank you. And... Um, Let's take, if we could just take a 10-minute break and be back by, let's try to be back by 5 after 12. That's a little less than 10 minutes, but, um, you know, Robert is going to be coming next. And he, he's, uh, he's Mr. Love, <laughs> so he's got some wonderful things to say about love, I'm sure, and uh, and then Fiona, too, so to make space for, for them. Try to come back at 5 after, okay? Thank you. The last coming up four years now, um, a dear friend from IMC had um, connected me with an app on my new smartphone um, called Insight Timer, and it has been a wonderful support for me and daily practice uh, since this time. Uh, and okay. part of it. <clears throat> Everyone, oh. I guess we're all back now. <laughs> Later. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that I wasn't back. <laughs> so uh, it's nice to be here with all of you. And um, I, I think I know most of you, but for those of you who I don't know, 
My name is Robert Tusick, and I also um, come to these senior things uh, on a regular basis and have with David and Fiona since the beginning. How many years have we been doing this now? A few. In any in in any event, uh, well, well, be six months before the pandemic. So. Wow. So yeah, we've been we've been together as a group for quite a while. So it's a delight to be here. Um, unlike a lot of you who are privileged enough to be retired, I'm still working full time. So um, I'm in meetings on Thursday mornings generally that take me uh, a little bit later. And that's why I come in late. It's not out of any sense of a lack of respect for for participating in this. So it's a delight to be here. And um, I, I understand that David uh, kicked us off with sort of turning our attention. Oh, Robert, could you unmute? Sorry. Robert, could you? Yeah. Yes, I'm so sorry. I, I have no idea what's going on with my Zoom here today. So um, I what I was saying is I understand that David uh, kicked us off this morning with uh, turning our attention towards love as a topic in general. So um, with that in mind, I, I think I'll just begin my portion here with a really beautiful little short poem by Hafiz called The The Sun Never Sets. And I I may have shared it with this group before, but it's lovely and it's worth hearing again. So the title of it is The Sun Never Sets. And Hafiz says, even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights up the whole sky. (laughs) Look what happens with a love like that. It lights up the whole sky. So maybe, just maybe, hearing those words sort of makes something stir inside of you. When I was just reading it, it was like I just felt my heart sort of leap a little bit. And um, that quality, that feeling, that feeling of love is as close to us as the nearest moment, the next breath, the... um, the intention to pause enough to feel into our experience. It's not like we make this love happen. It's we just simply receive it. We notice it. We let the embodied sense of it be known. This is love is known in awareness in this way. So the practices in in Buddhism and in many wisdom traditions and religions, 
the practice is to cultivate a, a, a an awareness and a and a appreciation for the embodied experience of loving kindness and compassion are you know the really focuses of attention they're wholesome wholesome endeavors and wholesome practices and in the practice of buddhism at least and, and maybe in in all of these other religions as well um, the, these practices are a way of sort of tapping into uh, awareness and directing awareness, specifically directing awareness. Um, and in the cases of of these Brahma Vihara practices, like love and kindness and and compassion, I'm focusing on those for the purposes of this. You know, this, I hope it will be a conversation at a certain point. But these are practices that have the an intent that's very sort of uplifting and buoyant. And, and there's a feeling of um, like a boundlessness or an unconditionality about these qualities. And one of the ways that you can sort of tap into that feeling is that <clears throat> when you start to just feel into the actual embodied experience, like that movement of love that jumped in me when I read the words, look what happens with a love like that, it lights up the whole sky. In that moment, I am free of self-referential narratives and stories that have me at the center of this experience. It's just the experience, the actual experience of compassion or the actual experience of love. So so it's this is one of the giveaways of it. There it, it, the story of self isn't isn't front and center. There may still be self in there, but it's not front and center. And and these are qualities that are free from ill will and they're free from aversion towards others or towards ourselves. They're free from judging and comparing and wanting things to be the way we want them to be. And if they're not the way we want them to be, then we're unhappy and sometimes we, you know, we do things that are not as skillful as they could be. So these are uplifted, buoyant, sort of unconditional qualities. These, these, they have these qualities to them. And they're free from self-referential bound, uh, boundaries or stories or narratives. And they're also free from ill will and aversion towards others. And... And that goes for the ill will and aversion that we direct towards ourselves. <clears throat> so these practices are, they connect us to really beautiful, sublime states that are grounded in our own ability to relate to ourselves and to relate to others in considerate, healthy, kind, intended ways. 
with care, with consideration, with respect for one another and for ourselves. It's really important that we see that, you know, we can offer the same kindness and goodness, good wishes for ourselves as we can for other people. So for a lot of people, it's easier to give these qualities out than it is to receive these qualities for ourselves. And we can do this not only when we're meditating, not only when we're sitting in formal meditation or we're on a retreat or we're at a, you know, a meditation sit, but right in the midst of our lives, in the ebb and flow of the messiness and of all the circumstances that make up our daily life experience. So loving kindness and compassion are qualities that sort of are built into our, are programmed into our DNA, they're innate. And at the same time, they're qualities that we can talk about, that we can, we can cultivate. They're qualities that can be taught, they're qualities that can be learned, they're qualities that can be modeled. So, so for instance, with empathy, all children are born empathetic, but if empathy isn't modeled for them in their home, it doesn't develop and, and they don't learn to be empathic with one another just automatically. It's something that's there, the seeds are there, but the modeling and the demonstration and the treatment by others the empathic treatment by their parents in their environments will will have a tremendous impact. So these are qualities that are innate, but they can also be cultivated. They can also be learned. And these Brahma-Vihara qualities of metta and karuna, they don't rest upon us like creating these states or manufacturing emotional states. So uh, let me try to explain what I mean uh, and what I'm pointing to here. These practices aren't about imposing an ideal of wishing everyone to be free from suffering or liking and loving everyone all the time. They are about that, but that's, it's not, that's not the essence of it. Um, there are also very, very specific practices for us to learn how to meet the moment of our experience, the actual moment-to-moment -moment experience that we're having, uh, how to meet that or how to meet our attitude towards whatever is happening in the moment, including the actual way we feel about it, the actual felt sense that we have in our body, the sensations that we have in our body without aversion, without ill will. So I want to, I, I want to emphasize that again, because this is a, something that's obvious, but isn't always clear. And it wasn't clear to me in the early years of my practice. I didn't under, I, Maybe I would have figured it out if I had thought about it, but I never thought about it. And um, 
and so I didn't figure it out. But these practices are, as I said earlier, ways that we can meet the moment of our experience without ill will. They're free of ill will. This is one of the ways that you can know when you're really in the zone of metta or compassion. So ill will shows up in, you know, negative mind states, but negative mind states are as natural and as normal as positive mind states. It's the way that we relate to those states that has a direct effect on our immediate and long-term experience. So, so negative mind states, positive mind states, it's all, you know, it's one or the other. It doesn't make any difference what it is. Um, it's, it's the way that we're in relationship to it. So if we're in relationship to a, a negative mind state or a positive mind state with aversion or with clinging, you know, I, I, this is great. I, I love it. I want more of it and I'm clinging to it. It also impacts not just my immediate, but my long-term experience. So, so negative states also create in our mind a kind of tension, just like clinging to positive states creates this quality of tension in our mind. And when this tension, when we when we recognize or feel this tension in our mind, the body, there's a mind-body connection and we feel it in our body. And and it generally has un- unpleasant Vedana associated with it. Pleasant, unpleasant, neither pleasant or unpleasant. Well, negative mind states or or positive mind states that we're clinging to will have this unpleasant Vedana associated with it as well. And this is, if it's clinging, this is the aversion of not wanting. That's basically what we're feeling. So when we learn just to feel the feeling, just that it, as it is, as a like a sensory experience or a sensation that's just happening. It arises and it abides for a while. And then obviously it, it passes and something else uh, shows up. So when we can feel the feeling for what it is, a sensation, rather than reifying it and giving it an identity about who we think we are, we can begin to relax. We can begin to allow the feeling to be there because it is there. We can allow it to just be there without resisting it. You know, it might not feel well, nice, but it's just, it is what it is and it's not permanent. And we can allow it to pass through us without holding on or pushing it away or turning it into an aspect of who we think we are. And this kind of mind state of non-aversion frees up the intent of our mind and allows us to return to the natural state of kindness and compassion. 
And we can feel what that's like. We can feel the release. We can feel the letting go. So I want to repeat that. This mind state of non-aversion frees up the intent of our mind and it allows us to return to our natural state of kindness, of compassion, of love. When we're in an aversive reaction, whether we're clinging to something or we're resisting and pushing something away, this natural state of love that David was talking about earlier, this quality is not available to us because we're not aware of it. We've lost it in our awareness. But when we begin to notice what it's like when we're in this natural state, we see that we're not manufacturing the state. We're simply creating conditions where this state can be known. And we can learn to support ourselves in feeling the feelings we're experiencing, but letting them flow through us without hooking us. That means we can, we can let something that doesn't feel necessarily good. We can just acknowledge this doesn't feel good, but we don't hold on to it. We can be with it. Our relationship to it has more space around it. So this is one of the ways that we can use mindfulness practice. It allows us to recognize these beautiful qualities for what they are. You see, so as I started this a few minutes ago, I, I, I this reflection, I'm going to end it with, with our friend Hafiz. Even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights up the whole sky. There is nothing in that poem about Hafiz's ego. And there is nothing in that poem that has even a twinge of aversiveness or resistance to it. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights up the whole sky. And that is your natural state, my friends. May we all um, have the good fortune and the, you know, the intention to live from that place and to share that kind of a world with one another. Our world is in such a state of turmoil today that it's easy to get lost um, in, in the concocting of what lesser minds bring to the stage. So, so what I'd like to do is I'd just like to pop you into a breakout room for just maybe about, let's joke, can you put them into breakout rooms of like three so that everybody has just a, 
a chance to maybe uh, look at one of the prompts that I, I want you to look at. And uh, I think Joe has put them or is going to put them into chat. The prompt is, how do you know when you're happy? Where in, in your body is happiness most easily known? This wish to be happy, this feels a certain way. And, and, and trust your body there. So where in your body is it most easily known? And then is knowing happiness or stress for you connected to an inner bodily sense? When you're happy, does your body let you know you're happy? When you're troubled, does your body let you know you're troubled? Is that something I just, just reflect on that a little bit and you can answer either one of those or talk about either one of those or anything else about this topic that you want to. And, um, Let's, Joe, bring, bring them back by um, about, uh, let's see, at uh, Fiona wants about 15 minutes. So let's, let's come back just a little bit before a quarter to the, is that enough time, Fiona, for you? You know, that's, you know, I can do less. This is a beautiful subject, Robert. So give people time to uh, in their groups. Okay, so let's, let's go in until a quarter to the hour. And, and we'll come out then. And, um, and then I'll take one or two comments, and then we'll turn it over to Fiona. So um, are the breakout rooms set up? Not yet. Not yet. It's a different size, so I was recomputing the rooms. Okay. All right. So maybe bring them back a little bit before a quarter to the hour, because then we can um, have time for one or two comments when they come back. Are the prompts clear, everybody? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Yep. Good. I'm seeing thumbs up. Good. Welcome back. Hello. Welcome back. Hi, Stephen. Stuart. Stuart and Joe. <laughs> Here you come. And Freda's Freda. back. I thought you left, Freda. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay. I think everybody is pretty much back. And <clears throat> if when you do come back, if you can turn your cameras on so that we know, so that I know that you're here. So uh, we just really have just about two minutes or so, and I'd like to um, be able to give Fiona uh, time to, she's going to share a few thoughts and words with you, but I'd like to hear from anybody who wants to share um, about one of those prompts or anything else that might have come up for you uh, in the little talk that I just gave. And I know that there's people burning with the desire to say something. So please don't be shy. We're, we're with friends here. What a quiet group this morning. Oh, I'm always burning to talk. So I'm going to just right, jump Jeannie. in. <laughs> yes. We just have, 
it, it's funny because that amount of time to discuss the topic, I mean, it's just makes us chuckle, mm-hmm. but we did it. And there is so much wisdom in, in the group. I think it's just such, it's very nourishing. I mean, the whole gathering is nourishing, but when we sit and look at a question together, I'm just astonished at how much I learn. So mm. that's my brief summary, but much gratitude. That's your brief summary. Well, your brief summary is certainly worth um, sharing. I I appreciate that. Yeah, in in these moments, um, you know, sometimes we think we need a long time to reflect on something, and and that's luxurious and wonderful. And sometimes, in just a short few minutes, we can tap into things in in a completely authentic and and sometimes even profound way. So even a, a short, uh, a short period of time. I'm sorry that the breakout room was as brief as it was, but we're we're limited by time. So thank you for your comments, and um, I wish you all the very best. And I am happy now to pass the baton to my uh, beloved friend and dear colleague Fiona. So let's just take a minute. So we've zoomed back <laughs> in and out of groups. Just, just be quiet for a few minutes. Just settle in the body right here. So earlier, I had shared, um, you know, my experience with daily practice um, over the last four years now, after all, many years of practice, but not daily practice, um, was really encouraged uh, in the last few years to do this you know practice it's really a such deep appreciation <clears throat> and it's been supported by this um app on the phone that my son gave me called insight timer well one of the side gifts of this little technological gizmo is uh often some inspiring um quotes come through and this morning, I read one that fit so uh, smoothly with this talk that David shared earlier, the teaching and the concept of looking at awareness and awareness, putting the two words of awareness and love together. Um, so I would like to share, this is a teacher... Um, not specifically in the Buddhist tradition, and I shared something the first couple months ago, I believe. Her name is Joan Tolufson. Meditation, we discover, is the very nature and the natural activity of awareness. 
Having made this discovery, we may still enjoy sitting quietly, doing nothing, formally or informally. I certainly do. But we also recognize that we can never truly leave meditation. Our whole life now is meditation. Emotions, thoughts, states of mind, bodily sensations all come and go. But awareness remains as the immovable space, the light in which it all arises and passes away. This light is really all there is. And reading this right now, that image of the light, which with Robert's poem by Hafiz. I wanted to share a little story that this just happened a week ago. I um, I was watching my mind. I was traveling up uh, several miles to a, I shared this at small group, uh, a shredding event um, at a facility in a city. Uh, I had to go quite a drive. And I had never been to this spot before. And I looked on the map and the facility was at Juvenile Hall in San Mateo County. Well, I had never been there. I thought, well, I can do this. And I drove up to this, you know, very imposing building. And there was this contraction, you know. There was contraction about, can I find the place? Then, oh, this place. Uh, A sense of, of intimidation and alienation from this very imposing building. And then the long line, the wait through to shred and, and feeling a sense of relief. Oh, I get to shred this and it's taken care of. But also what I was shredding was my, all, all the documents from my parents' trust and all that that I took care of a decade ago. Somehow letting that go. So there was this connection with family and also this sense of, slight contraction over where I was, where this place was. And as I was waiting in this long line across the parking lot, I saw these signs like you see at parks, you know, that describe, you know, what you're looking at or whatever. And I thought, well, this is interesting in this parking lot to juvenile hall. And as I was driving out, I thought, I'll take a minute. I just want to walk over and see. What I wanted to acknowledge was that my awareness was open enough between the emotion of letting go of this family event, my parents passing and their trust, and my 
my contraction around where I was. I walked over to the sign and I saw it was called the Phoenix Garden and I was reading. This was a garden started years ago on the place where the old juvenile hall was, apparently a structure of concrete and wire, and it had been taken down. This new edifice was built. And what they wanted people there, this vision to create life where there had been great suffering and great difficulty. I was so inspired. And I walked over. (laughs) There was another sign. And it said it was the stones of love. And I looked down. I took a picture. Not very good. All the people who've worked on this garden, who lost loved ones during the pandemic or whatever, had written their names on stones, on little stones, and made this big heart of remembrance in love. You know, and I looked over, there's Juvenile Hall, and here's this place, you know, of nurturing life, nurturing what's beautiful. The volunteer director came over and said, oh, please visit the labyrinth. We've, we've made a labyrinth for mindfulness to walk in the lavender out in the sky. And I, why I'm, this struck me is that I was so thankful that my awareness was big enough to see something and open up and see it, it held everything, the shredding, juvenile hall, and this beautiful intention to nurture life and healing and love. And David was saying earlier, you know, awareness holds everything. It's whether we're open or whether I'm open and can relax and open up to what is here, not just where I'm holding on or pushing away. Um, And I think in this time of life, you know, there's things that are beautiful in our experience, things that are challenging. Just be able to open up and hold it all and not have to say, oh, this is my joy or this is my pain. This is just joy. This is pain. It's here. And I can hold it. And I I really deeply want to share my appreciation for you all being here, for these beautiful teachings from David and from Robert, and your sharing with an open heart. Now this is time we can maybe really cultivate a relaxation of our hearts and minds to open up to 
this life, this day. So I'm going to thank you all. So David, if you'd like to share some merit. Mute. So by the power of this compassionate practice, the sun shining, shining on the earth without any obstacle, any hindrance, not expecting anything back, just shining by the power of this compassionate practice, this loving awareness. May all suffering be transformed into peace. Your suffering, all suffering. May the hearts of all beings be open and their wisdom radiate from within. Compassion, the radiation of awareness. Thank you all. It's been just wonderful to see you all and be with you all. And we really appreciate, really appreciate your presence. Everyone, would you like to unmute and wave goodbye, say goodbye? Thank you. Thank you. Everyone, so nice to see you and be with you. See you next month. Thank you. Good care. Thank you. Goodbye, you know. Be nice to everyone. (laughs) Share your beautiful hearts. Be nice, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Be nice, Jenny.